Welcome to the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. We're dispensing stories of success from across the continuum of care. I'm your host, Hillary Blackburn. Thanks for joining us to learn from leaders throughout the pharmacy industry. Hey listeners, this is your host, Hillary Blackburn, and I wanted to join you and just give a little fireside chat about what has been happening in the world uh, with coronavirus and I wanted to wish you a happy Easter. So hopefully everyone uh, was able to celebrate Easter or at least be at home with family. Uh, that is that is something that uh, we can be grateful for is, is more time at home uh, since we are quarantined uh, right now. But um, just wanted to kind of touch base and talk a little bit about, um, you know, we've been talking about healthcare redesign for a while now, and there's really nothing like a pandemic to accelerate that into recreate mode. I saw a really great article in Harvard Business Reviews, uh, What Will U.S. Healthcare Look Like After the Pandemic? This was by Robert S. Huckman, if anyone wants to look that up, and I'll be sure to link it in the show notes. Um, But the crisis has really increased demand for healthcare workers. So we have an increased demand due to increasing number of coronavirus cases, which with more cases, that often uh, is associated with more hospitalizations if people are have uh, are sicker uh, than they then they do go to the hospital although most people do uh, are able to get by um, with very mild symptoms about 80 percent of the population uh, but we have been talking about flattening the curve for quite some time now there are a lot of different models out there the IHME model out of University of Washington has continued to look better over the past couple weeks, uh, which is very positive. And some of the things that we have been doing, such as staying at home, is uh, has been working, which is great. So um, we haven't uh, had a lot of chance to uh, we've, we've never been exposed to this virus before, so uh, we don't have any immunity built up. They are, you know, we've got great scientists here in the United States that are working feverishly on a vaccine. Typically, vaccines take anywhere from 12 to 18 months to be developed. Um, so what do we do in the meantime? Well, we've got to be at home and um, make sure that we're not overwhelming the healthcare system. We only have a certain amount of healthcare providers in place, uh, but what we have done is uh, to meet the demand is that healthcare staff have really been redirected from elective treatments such as scheduled surgeries, etc. They've been realigned uh, to care for COVID-19 patients. Um, in some states, like where the hottest areas, New York, you've got um, you know sometimes cardiologists or uh, ophthalmologists, dermatologists going in and, and seeing patients in primary care like they haven't done for the first time in uh, years. Uh, New York also allowed fourth-year medical students to graduate early to meet the frontline demand. 
Speaking of education, are you aware of the 2014 Drug Disposal of Controlled Substances ruling that regards safe disposal of unused medications? Well, we're lucky to have RX Destroyer sponsoring the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. RX Destroyer ready-to-use chemical drug disposal systems are safe, easy, and affordable products, which protect the environment and can save thousands in fines. To get more information on products, training, and medication waste compliance, check out www.rxdestroyer.com slash talk to your pharmacist. So a lot of different things happening to meet the demand that has been uh, happening uh, in terms of uh, response to COVID-19. We are also seeing regulations loosened to allow for expanded scope of practice. So states are allowing professionals to practice across state lines to meet the demand, and many regulations have been eased or suspended to improve patient care. For instance, in Tennessee, my home state, uh, the pharmacist-to-technician ratio has been uh, suspended, so no requirements on that. Still have to have a pharmacist supervising, but that ratio is uh, not mandated right now. They're also allowing 90-day supplies without authorization, allowing remote verification of prescriptions, and uh, authorization authorization for telehealth. Uh, Note that this is not federal since the federal legislation still requires Part B providers to do telehealth, but in Tennessee, uh, t- uh, Tennessee pharmacists can sign up to be providers and thus uh, can sign up for telehealth in the state. So we need more people signing up for that in the state of Tennessee. I hope to do that over the next week and can give you all some more feedback on that. Just check my Instagram at Talk to Your Pharmacist, and that'll also be on Facebook at Talk to Your Pharmacist. So I'll be posting uh, once I'm able to get on and uh, do that. So be sure to uh, stay tuned on those fronts. So pharmacists are really stepping up across the country and are playing an invaluable role in getting patients their medicine, navigating new COVID-19 treatment options, and managing drug shortages. And there are multiple reliable sources of information for COVID-19 out there, Uh, many coming from our pharmacy associations. APHA even has COVID-19-related CE. ASHP has great drug shortage and treatment updates. Uh, Many of these associations and different groups are allowing it for members and non-members, which is great. I just saw that on April 11th, the IDSA, Infectious Disease Society of America, released practice guidelines for COVID-19. So what, uh, just a quick summary on that, definitely check it out for yourself, Uh, but they agreed on seven treatment options and that patients should be recruited into existing clinical trials um, to, to do that. Uh, Many of the treatments have additional safety concerns and should be individualized based on symptoms and underlying health conditions. So in general, uh, what they agreed was that for patients who have been admitted to the hospital and in the context of a clinical trial, they recommend hydroxychloroquine or chloroquine. They even mention adding azithromycin, but 
note that this combination does increase the risk of QT prolongation and should probably be reserved for those patients with bacterial pneumonia. Uh, so that's some of the guidance uh, out of a hospital system that I'm affiliated with that they're recommending. Uh, another treatment, Kaletra, uh, which uh, the generic version is combination lipinavir and ritonavir, uh, an older HIV medicine. That one's also recommended. The IDSA recommended against the use of corticosteroids unless the patient is presenting with ARDS. And they also recommend tocilizumab, which is uh, an RA treatment, interleukin-6, to help with that cytokine storm. And the last one that they recommend is the convalescent plasma. So be sure if you want to dig into... Uh, the existing clinical trials, uh, information that's currently out there. Uh, we continue to, to see more information, seems almost on a daily basis, but, but be sure to check out the IDSA guidelines. I just wanted to give you a quick highlight on some of the treatment options that they mentioned. So it is very positive that we are seeing some treatments that are showing promising results. Uh, so even though we do have to wait for a vaccine for several months, uh, there have been really promising results with uh, some current existing drug therapies. So uh, we will stay tuned for that. Uh, along, uh, speaking of the associations, uh, APHA and other pharmacy associations have put together policy recommendations. Uh, some of those include... Uh, Number one, the test and treatment of infectious diseases such as flu, strep, COVID-19, and including the allowing of immunizations across all states for pharmacists. Uh, Actually, HHS has already issued guidance to allow pharmacists to order and administer COVID-19 diagnostic tests, and CVS and Walgreens have already ramped up testing sites, so... um, Great to see that they're leveraging their retail footprint to put pharmacists out, allowing to do testing, things like that. Uh, Some of the other policy recommendations have included easing operational workflows uh, to allow pharmacists to participate in telehealth and across state lines. And we've already mentioned that some states are seeking uh, pharmacists with other licenses. For instance, I've heard from a friend um, licensed in Florida that they are, they were um, willing to spend big bucks, you know, 100 uh, plus an hour for Florida pharmacists or other pharmacists to go up to New York and fill in gaps. Um, Another policy recommendation, allowing therapeutic substitutions for drug shortages. Uh, We are seeing more and more therapeutics, uh, more and more drug shortages uh, with the issues happening uh, across the globe. We've had, you know, here in the U.S., we've had businesses that have had to shut down. Uh, We've seen that happen across the world. So uh, a lot of our supply chain does come from other countries. And so we have seen some disruptions in supply. Uh, There are, and I think there's a huge opportunity for pharmacists to be able to make those therapeutic substitutions for that. So that was another uh, policy recommendation that was included. And then finally, reimbursement for services provided within the scope. So great to see some good policy recommendations being promoted. Um, So 
I talked a little bit earlier about the demand increasing and uh, demand for healthcare workers. And uh, we've actually seen that there has been a shortage of primary care professionals for years. Uh, and particularly as the baby boomer generation continues to age, um, you know, we need just more and more primary care people. And we've had a existing legislation that has been brought up for um, quite a few years that hasn't quite gotten passed yet, but the medically underserved um, bill that would allow pharmacists to provide um, services in rural areas. We have been trying to get that put forward. Hopefully, um, you know, there's been a lot of changes in regulations with uh, COVID-19 because we've got to get more um, more healthcare professionals available to treat patients. So while some providers are having to uh, dedicate their time to COVID-19, you've still got so many patients that just need primary care. And that's a great way that pharmacists can step up and provide chronic care management for patients with diabetes or hypertension, dyslipidemia, um, mental health, uh, et cetera. Uh, they do that. They, you know, there are pharmacists embedded in clinics all across the country and uh, really do a great job of managing those disease states and uh, working as part of the healthcare team. And it would be great to be able to uh, be able to bill for that uh, and use our cognitive skills that we've been well trained for. So, how can we continue to utilize non-physicians like pharmacists and others to fill in the gaps when this crisis is over? Or what are some other ways that you think things will change in healthcare delivery once COVID-19 is resolved? I'd love to hear your thoughts over at the Talk to Your Pharmacist Facebook page. Be sure to like our page and check it out and want to hear from you if you have any recommendations or things on that. Another thing I wanted to talk with you all about is what are you guys doing keeping the workplace safe during COVID-19? So I have been heavily involved as a part of our clinical team for Dispensary of Hope in developing our distribution center uh, staff employee wellness screenings for those uh, team members that are still going on site and helping to uh, not only do the employee wellness screenings, but also the cleaning procedures for them. So we are still operating uh, business as usual, which is great so that all of our pharmacies and clinics can continue to get medicine for their um, low-income uninsured patients. Uh, but we've had to shift our um have to shift our, our staff. Uh, so a lot of people are working from home right now and we've had to get, um, staggered in, in setting up teams so that we, uh, you know, we don't just have the same team in there every day. We are rotating teams in, getting some cross training in so that if anyone was potentially sick, um, then we have backup. So some of the priorities that we've implemented are one, first and foremost, safety and protection of our employees, customers, and the broader community, and two, operational stability to ensure that patients and our site partners will have access to the medicine they need. And so other organizations considering similar measures would want to clarify your priorities first to ensure that their actions are aligned to meet your needs and requirements. So... Keeping the workplace clean can 
help prevent the spread of communicable diseases, uh, including limiting exposure to the new coronavirus. Uh, so we have, have put in the following steps to help prevent the spread of flu and other viruses. And uh, first and foremost, hopefully all of you guys are washing your hands. So washing your hands, of course, for 20 seconds frequently. Um, so we recommend as soon as they enter the building using hand sanitizer provided at the front desk along with the daily wellness check-in materials. Other recommended times to wash your, their hands at the beginning and end of the shift after using the restroom, of course, hopefully, after receiving drug shipments in, after sneezing, coughing, after leaving their work area and returning during the course of the shift. Um, cleaning with Clorox wipes and disinfecting uh, the work area. So wiping down the workstation at the beginning and end of the day. And uh, during the course of the shift, if any other people are accessing your area. And then, of course, wiping down common areas. Um, so, you know, light switches, doorknobs, all of those kinds of things. Um, scheduling and screening for staff. So I mentioned we have different block scheduling now. And our daily screening checklist for on-site employees includes, um, have you or has anyone in your home experienced fever, cough, shortness of breath, or a new cough, new shortness of breath? Um, checking their temperature when they come in. Uh, we've got that as well. So um, if any of that occurs, we're filtering those through our clinical team. Um, and then we do have them, um, uh, if they have any of those symptoms, um, you know, they can, could get tested if we recommend that. Uh, if it's really symptoms consistent with COVID-19, also depends on how sick they might be. But of course, staying home and isolating for 14 days, um, until they are a febrile, if they've had a positive test. Um, so what are ways that you are keeping your workplace safe? Would love to know. Uh, I've seen a lot of pharmacies that have installed plexiglass. Maybe they've installed some clear curtains. Maybe you have um, moved to drive through only. Uh, want to hear what you're doing. So join the discussion at the Talk to Your Pharmacist Facebook page or message me, send me a direct message uh, on Instagram at Talk to Your Pharmacist. I uh, would love to hear and connect with you uh, in those ways so that we can share that. And finally, I wanted to share some guidelines for pharmacists in the community pharmacy setting. And this was put out, I joined um, the Pharmacist Moms Group for a COVID-19 special task force very early on um, in middle of March uh, when this was really first hitting. And so um, I was involved uh, Jennifer Gershman, Brooke Griffin, Sandra Leal, Bavana Mutha, and Suzanne Solomon. And uh, we wanted to put this together because as pharmacists and pharmacy technicians are frontline access points for patients in the medication use process, we are calmly fulfilling our roles, optimizing medicines at every juncture of the healthcare journey. Uh, but in these unprecedented medical times, uh, we also need to care for ourselves and our teams. And um, our vitality and health and wellness is really important 
um, to keep providing high quality patient care. Uh, and according to an Edelman Trust Barometer Report, the public is most likely to trust healthcare professionals and authorities like doctors and hospitals and the WHO, World Health Organization, to handle the virus effectively, followed by employers. So we pharmacists are in a great position as one of the most trusted and accessible healthcare professionals to help educate patients about coronavirus. So hopefully you're getting some good tips um, from me today and you, uh, places to go if you weren't staying on top of this. Um, but of course, the CDC and the WHO guidelines are also really important to staying up to date. I also um, like to try to catch the White House briefings um, as, as frequently as I can throughout the week because always get to learn a, a lot of information during those briefings. Uh, your state probably has their own briefings from the governor. Um, so some of the guidance that we included for the Pharmacist Moms Group uh, report, and this uh, is posted on the Pharmacist Moms Group website, as well as um, I shared a little bit of more information with Pharmacy Times. But we, this group of us women that I shared, uh, span from community, health system, industry, academia, and associations, and we created this guidance document. Um, so our recommendations included in terms of operations. Uh, we recommend to temporarily halt in-person pharmacy tracks transactions if possible, limiting contact to drive-through, delivery, or curbside if available is highly recommended for in-person pharmacy interactions. Best to maintain that six-foot distance when possible. Um, you know, now we could probably even include uh, recommending a mask, a cloth mask for, you know, you and your pharmacy team or hopefully uh, any people entering the pharmacy need to be wearing that. So, um, and then just for your team, of course, washing your hands frequently with soap and water for at least 20 seconds and avoiding touching your face, disinfecting all surfaces, just like I mentioned what we're doing at our work workplace. Another um, thing is possibly keeping the door of the pharmacy closed or limiting the number of customers in the store at the same time. Uh, not not touching the, the keypad at the pharmacy until it's disinfected. Um, so some some um, states are allowing the pharmacist to um, sign for the patient or allow. Um, you know, not requiring that patient signature so you don't have so many patients touching that keypad. In terms of personnel, uh, we recommend creating backup personnel plans if team members are not able to come to work, uh, to be aware of uh, how to contact floater pools for your company, identify local staffing or PRN uh, groups, uh, inquire with your management about procedures when there are work absences, and uh, potentially hiring a part-time cashier. Um, there are also really great things I'm seeing from states like, like Tennessee, the Tennessee Pharmacist Association put together a volunteer page. So for pharmacists that wanted to volunteer, um, you know, you could look on that website and they were willing to volunteer and help out during the crisis. Um, we also would encourage patients to use a drive-through 
uh, delivery or curbside, use their own pen, and obtaining 90-day fills and med synchronization to avoid additional trips to the pharmacy. And uh, at the end of the workday, washing hands before leaving the pharmacy, using hand sanitizer. And when you come home, removing your clothing and shoes and all of that before entering the main area. So I've seen a lot of um, a lot of hospital staff that are de- uh, definitely caring for COVID-19 confirmed patients that are doing that. They've got a little COVID area where they're trying to just basically derobe. Um, so if you're in the pharmacy, that would also be recommended as well. And um, there are new guidelines that have come out. So um, the CDC did recognize pharmacy and have specific recommendations on how pharmacies can stay safe. So that was great as well. Um, you know, some other tips and things, creating an emergency contact list for anyone that needs to be reached at the pharmacies exposed. That includes the state board, uh, being flexible with other pharmacies who are in low supply um, and with patients who are requesting transfer. First, you know, being patient, uh, communicating with your team about updates. So don't just assume people know communication is so important uh, as, as all of these uh, things are changing, it seems, on a daily basis. Um, and then just thinking about your own wellness. So, um, you know, making sure that you are getting good sleep, uh, trying to eat healthy, making sure that you're immune system is up. Um, Try to outsource any tasks that cause additional stress. Um, You know, try to take a break uh, and and exercise. Exercise, just getting outside is so helpful uh, just for your, not only your physical health, like taking a walk or run or whatever it is that you like to do. Uh, I love to do that, but it's just such a mental relief as well. Um. So yeah, so so hopefully some of these things are helpful. If you are a, a pharmacy business owner uh, and you are are struggling, uh, the the CARES Act does have some low interest federal disaster loans available to you, and your local bank should be able to help with that. Um, or for people that might be unemployed, I don't, I haven't really seen that from the pharmacy community since. Uh, pharmacies are essential businesses and having to remain open and and from everything I've seen we need more and more healthcare workers um, but there are unemployment benefits as well um, so hopefully this gave you some good tips and I just wanted to um, kind of have a chat with you about what's been happening with the coronavirus and uh, just to reassure you that uh, we will be, be getting back to normal. Um, you know, we it, we eventually will. We will get through this. And, uh, you know, things might look a little different over the next few months. But um, just, you know, try to remain positive. And, uh, you know, our team at, you know, where I work, we've even implemented Wellness Wednesdays. Uh, so it's just so important to, um, you know, even though you are at home, to reach out to friends, family, check on people, check on loved ones, and remember to be grateful. Um, that is just so powerful and important. Um, and and um, yeah, so just 
during this this Easter season, uh, it's been interesting to, you know, a lot of people give things up for Lent, and you know we've we've really been forced to do without, and you know we can't go to our favorite restaurant or our favorite concert or um, all of these things, but. Um, hopefully you've had a chance to think about some of the important things in your life and, um, just, you know, know that, that there will be an end to this and, uh, just, just try to remain positive and grateful and would love to hear if other people have other tips and things, uh, go to our website, um, or our Facebook group at Talk to Your Pharmacist and um, message me on Instagram at Talk to Your Pharmacist and would love to hear if you've got special tips, wellness things. Um, I know a lot of uh, a lot of you know uh, fitness groups are allowing like deals or even free streaming. Uh, Headspace allows uh, some some free options right now. I think for healthcare workers. Um, so a lot of different things to be able to take advantage of, um, right now. And, uh, yeah, I'd love to hear if you have any other special things, but, uh, I'm so grateful and hopefully want it that you are staying safe and healthy, uh, yourself. And I hope that you have a wonderful, uh, Easter Sunday and we will be back with some more, Um, fun news with our regular programming with guests uh, starting next Sunday. I've got several fun interviews lined up, um, which you definitely don't want to miss while you are home and needing to uh, listen to content and things. So we'll be talking to a company called Valisure that does uh, lab testing for um, products, and they were very instrumental in the ranitidine recalls, and then also um, WellTrack One that does annual wellness visits. So, um, if you have other guests that want to, uh, you know, share their story or, or that you want to hear about a certain topic, uh, reach out to me on those platforms that I've mentioned. Connect with me on LinkedIn, uh, and finally. Please, if you enjoy this show, share it with friends and please give us a review on iTunes. We love reviews so that more people can find us. Thanks so much for listening and be well. Hey listeners, hope you enjoyed this fireside chat style about coronavirus. And I wanted to ask you if you're an APHA member, it is election season. So I am on the ballot this year for APHA's APPM Executive Committee member at large and would love your vote. Uh, The deadline for voting is May 11th. And if you just look up APHA elections, uh, there are lots of different uh, voting spots. Please look for my name, Hillary Blackburn, under the APPM Executive Committee. I'm under Pair 3. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to this episode of Talk to Your Pharmacist, produced by the Pharmacy Advisory Group. If you liked this episode, let us know by subscribing to the podcast, rating, and reviewing it. Share it with friends. And if you want to be a guest or know a pharmacist leader who has a great story to tell, 
Connect with me, Hillary Blackburn, on LinkedIn and check out our Facebook page, Pharmacy Advisory Group, for updates on new podcasts. Thanks for listening. 